everybody. Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host. Each week, we begin a path on a different subject that is of interest to all runners. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Martha Runs the World first interview. Yes, we're headed into uncharted territory as I talk to ultra runner and author Brian Burke. He'll be making his second appearance at Leadville August 17th. We'll join him in a bit. Legendary races are born from difficulty level, epic stories, and long, rich histories. Leadville has had all of these. The Leadville 100-mile trail race is called the Race Across the Sky. First run in 1983, it is one of the most difficult to enter and even harder to finish. The little town of Leadville, Colorado was founded in 1860 during the Pikes Peak Gold Rush. In 2017, the population was 2,759. It is also known as the U.S. city with the highest elevation, being over 10,151 feet. Leadville is big for a trail race. 750 people start the race, but depending on the weather, there are many who fail to make the strict cutoffs. In the pre-race meeting, as most ultras have, race co-founder Ken Clover asks each runner to take the pledge to not quit. I will commit. I will not quit, the racers shout after him. The race begins in the middle of town, and it stays pretty flat until it all of a sudden increases elevation up some of the Rocky Mountains' highest peaks, ranging from 9,200 to 12,620 feet at Hope Pass. The turnaround point is Hope Pass, and fewer than half the starters sometimes, in some years, actually finish the hundo, many stopping their race at Hope Pass. This is where their dream ends, and it is a sad point for many runners. The race started as a means to bring runners and visitors to the small town in the midst of an economic downturn. It is considered part of the triple crown of 100 milers that include western states and hard rock. They are all intensely difficult. These races are nearly as difficult to enter. There are no charity runners here. Every runner earned their spot. Not only that, but they must get past the mid-race cutoffs, like Hope Pass. In 2018, the two top winning runners of Leadville were Rob Crower at 15 hours, 15 minutes, and 51 seconds, and Katie Arnold at 19 hours, 53 minutes, and 40 seconds. There are many terrific documentaries on Leadville. You can spend hours watching them. I have. (laughs) Billy Yang is two of the best. The first one is the telling of his own journey called The Why. If you want to know why someone will push themselves past the point of exhaustion, way, way, way past marathon lengths, past the point where muscle spasms and hallucinations pop up, this is the one to see. The why is a record of Yang's own struggle through the preparation, pre-race butterflies, and then endless muscle spasms, which I myself have had, and self-doubt. Oh, lots and lots of self-doubt. Then determination and sure will pull him through. The second one is a brand new documentary called Leadman. It's brilliant. Leadman takes us through the odyssey of Dave Mackey who through a freak accident has to learn to learn to live his life in a completely different way, and eventually he prepares and trains for and runs Leadville. It is spectacular in pure Yang fashion. We see all the waves. No, no, no. The tsunamis of emotion the Mackey family went through. It's a wonderful film, and if you haven't watched it, go to YouTube, look it up, 
and look and watch the Y and Lead Man. You really owe it to yourself. They are just two of the best that I've ever seen. For a race 100 miles or longer, most entrants will have a crew, usually of two or more people. There will be the, the crew members and there will be pacers. The crew takes care of the runner's needs as they enter the aid station. They're not allowed outside of a certain specified area of the aid stations. And they're there only to make sure the racer is okay, gets hydrated, fed, feet and back massaged if needed. Anything the racer wants, the crew does. Everything is prepared and planned and discussed ahead of time. The crew knows what to do and where to go. The crew follows the runner as, as the runner makes their way through the course from aid station to aid station. The crew usually drives in a car. They go along the course and whatever. They're not allowed at every aid station because a lot of times the, the trail races are in parks or in, or in you know national forests and things like that. And there may not be room for them. There may not be parking. So they're in areas where they can go to these aid stations. And so they'll just wait for the runner to show up and help them as soon as they do. And time is of the essence. Some 100-mile races don't allow pacers, and a few don't allow crews. But if they do allow pacers, it's usually the 100-mile where the pacers will come into play. Pacer is a trusted friend or someone close the racer knows well enough to run with them through the last part of the race and keep them going. They don't physically help them. They can't. They're not allowed to. But they mentally and emotionally keep them on track because it's that last half of the race. After 50 miles, what do they say? The first 50 miles is physical. The last 50 miles is mental. They help keep them going because they may need a second voice, a you know, friendly voice to keep them in the game. And what the racer likes or wants is all communicated from the racer ahead of time to his crew, to his pacers. Does the racer like quiet, no talking? Does he want just want a silent, strong shadow? Or does he want talking? Does he want the person to keep talking to keep him awake? Maybe he's getting tired. Maybe he needs the energy. Maybe he needs, or she, I should say she. Maybe they need a cheerleader. They need someone to get them going. Or maybe they're going to get cranky and not happy if someone says that. It really depends on the runner. And it's really up to the runner to tell their pacers what they need. In the why, if it wasn't for Yang's crew and pacers, he might not have made it. They really were a huge part of his race. Sometimes runners do it all alone. And some races don't allow crews or pacers, especially like if it's a loop, if it's like a five or 10 mile or sometimes 20 mile loop, you may not even need it. If there's like one aid station at the beginning of the loop and maybe another aid station, the far end or something, and you can put your, you can put your drop bag next to the aid station and you can come around it every five or 10 miles, you don't really need a crew. You can get it yourself because you're always going to go around it and you're always going to have access to it. It's not really that far of a distance, but if you're out there and you're out there by yourself and there aren't that many people and you're out alone for 20 hours, you've been up for 20 hours, you can't see straight, you're seeing hallucinations, you can't think, you have to do it yourself. Who's going to keep you going? You have to think clearly enough to know if you need water, electrolytes, food, socks, everything. So it can be a really daunting task and it can eat up a lot of time. If you have to take time to think, what do I need? What do I need? That can eat up precious time that you may need finish before the cutoff. In Brian Burke's book, Running to Leadville, the main character, Tanner, makes a conscious choice to run the race solo. And the race section is one of the best parts of the book. It's really exciting. It was really a pleasure to talk to Brian about his book and about his life, his running. Running to Leadville is a terrific story about love, then love lost, and then refound in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. 
Brian decided to write a fictional account of a runner by a runner. And there are, are only a couple books like that already out there. It's a really small niche, and it's nice to see it's being filled. When the book was released, I remember seeing Brian on Facebook busy. Every time I'd see him, he was, had his little table with his pile of books signing away for people at some race expo in some different part of the country. Yes, Brian is signed, signing books at this marathon expo or this half expo or this expo somewhere. And he really worked hard. He, he pushed really hard for his book. And it's really nice to see he, did, he has gotten some recognition for it. And I highly recommend it. It's a really nice story and a really, really good read, especially for runners. Non-runners, too. Not, it's a good, especially for people who like mountains, like the outdoors, and who like, you know, stories about people. <laughs> who doesn't like stories about people, right? Anyway, I'll give information about where to buy it after my interview with Brian. And now, let, let's hear from Brian. How are you doing? Doing good. Sunday uh, evening. Got to get back to work tomorrow. Kind of feels like going back to school. Got the, you know, the Monday humdrums going. That's true. That's true. You don't get tomorrow off, huh? No, nah, well, I could. It's a floating holiday at the plant, but I've got stuff going on. So I'm going to save the day for uh, later in the summer and use it later on. That's good. That's good. So how's your knee? Ah, it's getting there. Uh, I took a big fall, oh, I guess about two weeks ago and took a big chunk out of the front of it right, uh, right below the kneecap on the... Mm-hmm on the tendon there and it's i should have got stitches but i guess i'm kind of stubborn i didn't think it was that bad but uh so it's taking a little while to heal up but i still got a pretty big knot there and i think that's putting a little pressure on that front tendon so it's making a little bit uncomfortable but i can still do like elliptical and walk and uh, power hikes i haven't tried to run in about a week but try that on tuesday see how it goes okay on a regular training week how many miles do you put up versus one that you're when you're ramping up for a big race yeah, I, I stay pretty consistent. When I'm I'm trying to get up, I probably get close uh, 60 to 70 miles a week. During the off weeks, it's probably 40 to 50, something in there. I don't vary mm-hmm. a lot unless it's like a, you know, a planned down week and it might be between, you know, 30 to 40, something like that. You find it that it's easier for you to just maintain it pretty average like that rather than going up and down too much? Yeah, for me, and it, it it may not be the smartest thing. I know rest is important, but I just feel like if I'm not out running, I kind of miss part of myself. So I, yeah. I just keep hanging miles, you know. That makes sense. Do you take a lot of time planning out your training or do you? does it come pretty easily for you? I don't know if I take a lot. What I usually do is, uh, you know, find a goal race that I'm really gunning for and I tend mm-hmm. to back up from it laying in the miles, laying in the speed or the strength training or the tire dragging kind of work backwards and then uh, i try to run a pseudo race at least every month but a lot of those are like training events for the big race Mm -hmm. like in two weeks i'm going down to wrightsville beach and running a marathon but it's not my goal race it's just i want to use it's kind of a kind of a semi-long distance speed test to see what i still got in my legs and you know plan to build off of that Mm -hmm. i think i know what your goal race is which we'll get into (laughs) In, yep. in in just a few minutes. But first, what got you started into running and when did you start? I started, well, you know, even back in my high school years, I, I was fascinated with running, but I didn't know any runners. I didn't know how to run. I thought you ran everything hard and all out. Of course, I burned out, wasn't very good. And then it just kind of fell away from me for geez, 20 years or so. Then I, I was in the military I was on a remote tour to Thule, Greenland, which is on the top of the world, essentially 600 miles from the North Pole. 
and I showed up uh, overweight and out of shape. And I just said, well, I'm going to get on a treadmill and see what I can do. And mm -hmm. that kind of morphed into getting into shape to thinking about half marathons to thinking about marathons. And then 18 years later, here I am. That's great. How about writing? Did you, have you always written or did you start writing recently or what's the story on that? Yeah, that's got a, uh, I don't know how far you're all uh, along in the book, uh, running to Leadville, but the, oh, I finished it. Yeah. Oh, did you? I did. The character's backstory is similar to mine. It is a fictional okay. story, but right. his finding writing later in life is similar to mine. I've, mm -hmm. I've always been kind of a storyteller, but I'm very bad on grammar and punctuation. I see the story. Right. I don't actually see the structure. And in high school, you know, I, I could tell a great story mm -hmm. or a good paper and English teachers just destroyed me and that kind of stuffed me down into a hole where I didn't do anything for years and years mm. and years if I did write I just kept it to myself and then I finally said hey I'm gonna try this I'm gonna get the best editing I could I'm gonna put this story out that I got flopping around in my brain and see where it goes I'm not a trained writer I'm probably a better runner than I am a writer but people have seemed to enjoy the book you know and I've got a, a, another one in the works as well Oh, good. I was going to ask you about that, too. It, it's a nice style. It's descriptive and fluid, and, and there's a lot of emotion and thought in it, and you you feel like you're part of the story, so it keeps you moving. I mean, you can be a great, a great writer, and the story can be as dull as dishwater, so as, if it's an interesting story and keeps keeps the reader going along with it, that's all I ask for it, and I, I thought it was great. I enjoyed it a lot. It was very, it was It was a cool story. Oh, good. Thank you. And that's what I try to tell people. It's definitely a a runner writing a story about running. It's not right. something from outside of our community trying to tell a running story. I've lived and breathed and crashed and burned and bled and cried all of this. And I just try to, obviously, it's got to be in a decent format so people can read it. But I, I mm -hmm. try to entertain and, and inspire more than I try to get all the commas in the right place. Sure, sure, absolutely. And I see how you got your the miniature schnauzer, schnauzer breed in into the story too with Hannah Elizabeth. So <laughs> Yeah, she was our, our little girl. We lost her uh yeah. about she's been gone about 7 years now to cancer and we just this last year's been tough. We lost two of them. I know. It's so yeah. sad. Yeah, and they're a big part dogs are a big part of my life and uh sure. when, I, when I wrote that book and I inadvertently got Hannah as part of the story. I just kind of told myself that my stories will always have a dog character in there just to honor them. They've meant so much to me. Right. Right. Well, you know, it, it, they're wonderful. I don't, I don't have, a, I did have a dog. I ha, I did have a cat too. I don't have one right now, but you know, the pets are part of your life. You know, they're, they're family. They always will. And it's always sad to lose them. And I'm sorry about that. I know, I know it's hard. Um, yeah. But the one question that I did have now, I really loved running to Leadville, but the one question I did have is, is how did Tanner make so much money writing for a running magazine? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't he seemed know. to live pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wish I could figure that out. Uh, <laughs> I kind of got the inspiration for his character from Bart Yasso. Uh, okay. You know, when I had the story in my mind, uh, I kind of thought if I had an alter ego and how I would like to be in, involved in a running community. I was like, I'd like to be Bart Yasso. I'd like to travel to these races and write sure. stories and, and be sure. in the race. So uh, that's kind of where I pulled his inspiration from, a little, at least his lifestyle. 
And they must have paid him too much because that might have been why Ultra Running and Beyond uh, went out of business, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And Marathon Beyond was one of my favorite books. Uh, I had two articles published back in the day. I was really sorry to see them go under, but uh, oh yeah, that that's 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 the magazine I was thinking of, the the, the marathon and beyond. I love that publication; it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, I wish I'd I love to be find a way to bring it back. I know, and I liked it because it was all story based. It wasn't just all night pretty pictures and 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 a lot of promoting of things. It wasn't that I wasn't interested in. It was all it was all features. Yeah, I guess that's probably why it went out of business. So did you try to get it published first before you did it yourself? No, I, you know, what little research that I did on publishing traditional or self-publishing, and I talked to a few folks, is even if you get picked up by a traditional publishing company, unless you're Stephen King or Rowling's or one of those big names, they do very little for you. You do just as much work and have less control, mm-hmm. and you get less royalties, and I just thought, well, if I'm going to put in this amount of work, I want to be able to control what I do with the book. If I want to give it away, I'll give it away. If I want to go to a running expo, I'll go to a running expo. I didn't want to have that control over me. Because I just figured, you know, without a big name in the community, I didn't have much of a shot at getting picked up. So I did the self-published thing, and I think it's done well so far. Well, that's good. That's good. How many, just out of curiosity, how many copies have you sold on your own? Uh, just over 1,000. That's great. Yeah, it's actually with, really good. Yeah, with just me being a one-man PR show, uh, I again in my research, it was most self-published books die after about 200 copies because that's about all your friends and relatives. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had an initial spurge of you know friends and relatives, but it's continuing on pretty steady. And uh, you know, it just seems to have some legs behind it. And uh, of course, that's partially because of Leadville. Leadville has a following of its own, and that's part of the reason why I fell in love with the race. I uh, just you know, it's just. It's got its hooks in me. Right, right. Well, so what so now now we get to the to the big race. So that's that's your big race coming up then. Yeah, for this year. Yep. This year. So what's the draw for you to to Leadville? Well, I wish I knew. I I, I honestly <laughs> I have no ties to Colorado. I have no ties to Leadville. Uh I watched the uh movie called One Hundred, which was a documentary on the race. Mm-hmm. And it was something about this little mining town out in the mountains and uh, Ken Clover, who started the race, and that big peak called Hope Pass. It just sucked me right in. And I watched that movie probably, uh, you know, probably 100 times or something close to that. And I did as much research as I could. I went out to the running camps. Obviously, I ran the race last year. Uh, Just found a way of sucking me in. And then I had this story that I wanted to tell about a runner. And I thought, what a better stage than Leadville. I also wanted to tell the Leadville story. So I just Mm -hmm. kind of married those together. And and now there's, like I said, there's just a little part of me that's still out there and I I need to go back and finish it up. And uh, I just enjoy being out there. How many times have you run it? Just once. Last year then. Yeah, that was my first time running it. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Nice. Okay. So how do you train? So you live in... The, in the southeast then so how do you train for leadville with the elevation yeah good question <laughs> <laughs> i thought i had it nailed. well honestly i think i was a little overconfident last year I, i've done well at all the east coast 100 miles i mean i'm under 24 hours mm-hmm. my best being 21 hours and i thought oh, certainly okay. i had the experience and the legs to be able to suffer through and at least get a 30 hour finish mm-hmm. 
Uh, I trained in the heat. I trained a lot of miles. I didn't work a lot on climbing, which was, I think, my downfall. And then when I got out there, I just wasn't ready to climb 3,000 feet with 40 miles of racing on my legs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was an hour and a half to the good going up Hope Pass on the front side. I got up and over, lost 45 minutes, came back up the other side, got up and over, lost another 45 minutes. And that put me right at the cutoff at Twin Lakes. Mm. And then they, they pulled me right there. And that's like I said, there's still part of me crying in the dirt out there. But uh, I just relied too much on my own experience, my own fitness. And I thought the heat training uh, would help me this mm-hmm. year. Do all that and I got to do more I got to get stronger in the legs I got to climb more I got to get out to the mountains as much as I can and that's that's gonna be my focus I gotta I just gotta be tougher right do you um I'm sure there's a lot of tears in, in that dirt out there not just yours <laughs> yeah I wasn't the only one but it, it, it was crushing I mean my family yeah. here my wife was there friends of ours I had three pacers mm-hmm. and uh when I came around the corner and I saw the big arches, I, I thought I had it. And I was running like Carl Lewis to make the cutoff. Oh, the cutoff lady stepped out in front of me and said, I'm sorry, you're too late. And I ran into her. I knocked her down. I knocked me <laughs> in the dirt. And then my one oh. pacer, you know, kind of came over and said, well, Brian, it's okay. And just hearing, and then my wife showed up, our friends, and then I was just a ball of a mess. You, just oh. felt, you let everybody down as well, you know, not just yeah. myself, but they all came to support me and, it was all over way too early. Well, you know, it wasn't your time. I know it's hard. It's it's easier to talk about now and for me to talk about because I've never done that. But, I mean, it wasn't your time yet. You still had lessons to learn before you could finish it. You know? Yeah. It, it took me a – it took me probably till December, I guess, where I could actually categorize it as no longer a DNF. It's actually the first training run for Leadville 2019. There you go. But for a while there, it messed me up. I'll be honest with you. I got back here, and it's kind of like part of my identity was gone. You know, I, I, I failure was never even in my cards. I standing at the starting line at four o'clock in the morning on that Saturday morning, I had no doubt I would finish. Yeah, I was confident and strong. I mean, I felt good. It's just I wasn't ready to climb Hope Pass with forty miles on my legs. That is just a bugger. It ended up mm. turn around and do it again. Mm. I just made some mistakes, but we'll get stronger. Well, exactly. And you don't learn from success. You learn from failure. So, and you learn, and hopefully you learned enough and, and you'll, you'll get it this year and we'll all be cheering for you. You know, you know, you have the whole, whole mass of people who won't be there in person, but will be there in spirit for you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so what do you, so about ultra running, when you started doing it, what do you love the most about it? And what do you dislike the most about it? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll go with what I dislike the most. Okay. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it is hard. Uh, it's hard to explain to people what it's like, you know, when you push yourself beyond the traditional marathon distance. I mean, mm-hmm. you're battling things, you're battling demons, you're battling food, you're battling your mind. Yeah. But that's also what I love because mm-hmm. it's not simply completing a distance it's completing a distance over your mind completing a distance over your body given up completing a distance over what the world gives you Mm -hmm. and in a case with a hundred mile distances it's it's getting to a low point but having the mental strength to continue because it will get better you'll fight your way through it Mm -hmm. 
And that's what I love about it. It's not simply a race. It's almost a life experience. And when you come out on the other end, you're different. That's what I've heard about a race like that, about Leadville or, or the 100 milers, the Western states. I've only done one ultra, so it was hard. It was the hardest, the hardest thing I've ever done. It was 50K in, in rain and rain that was going horizontal and it was totally flat which i'm not used to so but that was only 30 31 miles you know <laughs> add 70 more you know <laughs> it's crazy it's so far it's such a long ways it is it's hard it, to wrap even even 31 miles i mean people say well it was just 31 31 is a long distance you know and then like you mentioned you're fighting the elements as well uh and that's... flat i'm not used to flat i'm a i'm a I live in San Francisco, so anywhere I go, there's hills. So I'm used to the hills. I'm not used to running flat. That's hard on the hips. That is, I'm still trying to get my hips stronger again because that, that really did a number on my hips, though, just running on a flat space for, for nine and a half hours. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> it, is. it is. I run a 24-hour uh, race here. That's where I got into the Ultra Bug, uh, the Virginia 24-hour race against cancer. I was my first Ultra and it's flat as a pancake. Mm -hmm. In 12 years, I've only completed 24 hours once. And it's because that flat, consistent terrain, it, it finds the weakest part of you and then hammers it to death. And then it yeah. wears out, where at least in the mountains and the hills, you change the stress points on you your do. body. Mm -hmm. so flat races aren't always that easy. They'll, they'll beat you down. Yeah, it does. It changes the stress points. You get to change your, your pace. You change everything. Sometimes you're running, sometimes you're walking. It, it just, everything changes. So it's a little bit of a, of, you know, it's a variable, you know, there's, there's a lot of variation. So you're not doing the same thing over and over. It's that repetitive motion that, that creates injuries. Really. It makes it super hard. Yeah. Um. So, so if not including Leadville anywhere in the world, with any race, what would you like to do? Oh, boy, that's a good one. There are so many good races out there nowadays. You know, Western States, mm -hmm. that's kind of the Super Bowl of ultra running. A friend of mine just got into Badwater, so mm. Badwater's always hanging out there. That would, the be, that, would be, that would be hard, but fun. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to go back to the Grand Canyon. Uh, we did that rim to rim to rim uh, two years Ooh. ago, and uh, I just wow. love to go back and do that again. There's just so many good, and some of the overseas stuff, you know, would be great to do. But uh, number one, probably be Western states. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure what's harder to get into, Western states or Leadville. They're both pretty hard. They're, they're tough. Probably Western states is a little harder. It's really the, you know, the biggie. Uh, I'm fortunate to get into the Leadville. I did some volunteer stuff while I was out there because I went out 10 days early and mm -hmm. I around and helped them out and, that kind of helped me get in this year and I'm going back this time with 14 days in advance. So I'll, I'll do some more volunteer work and put in my time. That's cool. Uh, I know some of the ultras require you to do volunteer work, like the Orca 100 and stuff like that. Ask you, you have to do a certain amount of volunteer work before you can get in. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if Leadville does that. What do you have up and coming? What are you working on now? Uh, on the writing front, I've got uh, another fictional story, but it's, Again, it's got elements of my own life mixed into the plot. I mean, it is it is a fictional story, but I draw from my, my own experiences. Uh, I don't want to give up the feature race yet, but it's another iconic ultra marathon where the story kind of plays out on as its feature race. And it, it deals with the relationship between running and life and then how that can uh, help you through cool. some 
challenging upbringings. And that's I hope great. Maybe by the fall of this year. Nice. Very nice. Very good. Well, we're looking forward to it and we'll definitely um, talk about it when it gets released. Well, yeah. definitely. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate you talking. Our first interview at Martha Runs the World. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I've been listening to your podcast at work when I get my coffee in the morning. And uh, I'm kind of envious because I always thought, well, I'd like to start a podcast, but it's so intimidating. So you got one up on me. You're doing great. Well, you know, it's it's a learning process. <laughs> so there's a lot of things I, I had to figure out and correct and change and and frustrate through. But, you know, it, I like to talk. So it's it's a good it's a good thing for me. <laughs> yeah. but thank you and, and have a nice evening and don't work too hard. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. You can order Brian's book on Amazon. But. If you want a signed copy, I suggest ordering it through briansrunningadventures.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-S, Running Adventures, briansrunningadventures.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope to give you a little something extra that other running podcasts don't. If you could, please rate us on iTunes. That would help out a lot. It helps our numbers out a lot if you give us some kind of a rating and maybe even a review check out our website at martharunstheworld.com and email us with any questions comments and ideas at martharunstheworld at gmx.com thank you now let's put on our running shoes and let's head out for a run see you next week